Well, turn with me this morning, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of God's word this morning in honor of this word. Lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 6. Beginning at verse 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Jesus, I pray now for the next few minutes, Lord God, that you would quicken my mind, Lord God, and quicken my mouth, Father. Lord, that I might speak your word, O God, to glorify your name, Lord God, that your kingdom might come and your will be done, O God, in earth as it is in heaven. And we give you praise for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You have a heavenly Father. You have a heavenly Father. All things come from him. All things return to him. He is the creator of the earth, and in him does everything exist. He is God Almighty, and he's God all by himself. Uh, in, in, Isaiah, in Isaiah, God says he is the only God. He said he doesn't know of any other. I always think that's pretty funny. I am God Almighty, and I don't know of any other God. So this morning, I want to let you know that God is your heavenly Father. That God, you have the opportunity to allow yourself to be brought into the kingdom of God so that his will can come and his will be done. When you were born, you weren't born into that heavenly kingdom. You were born into the kingdom of the devil. Adam, at the time he sinned, he moved us from, death, from life unto death, and we became born under the influence of the enemy. But whenever we become saved, whenever we turn our life over to Christ, then we're no longer under the power of the devil because our heavenly father breaks all the nature that's within me that wants to serve the devil. That nature is broken by the power of the father and now I have been reborn and whenever I'm reborn, I'm reborn with a different daddy. It says in this prayer, it says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Did you know God has a kingdom? The Bible says that the kingdom of God lives within me. The kingdom of God lives within me. It doesn't live within me when I'm translated. It doesn't live with me when I go to heaven. It lives within me now. Everything that God desires for me to have when I'm in heaven, I can have now. I can have the Holy Spirit now. 
I can have his peace now. I can have his power now. I can have his mind now. I can have his spirit now. I can have his anointing now. I can have his excitement now. I can have everything that God desires me to have. I can have it now because he's my father and I'm his child and he's given me the keys to the kingdom and if I'll simply use them to open up the doors and the things that God places in front of me, then the things that he desires for me to have, I can have now. His kingdom lives within me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That means I have power over sickness. I have power over the, all the works of the devil. That means that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That means that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and to those who are the called according to his purpose. It means that healing, deliverance, power, anointing, anything that I need from the Lord, I reach into a heavenly, heavenly chest because that chest is there because it's the desire of my Father to do good things to them that love him. He said if he asks for a bread, he's not going to give me a rock. He says if I ask for meat, he's not going to give me a snake. And he said how much more is it the Father's good pleasure to give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? To give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him. The Holy Spirit comes into your life whenever you're saved. When you change your, when you come down to an altar and you say, Father, forgive me of my sins. When you're repentant, I'm not saying when you say a 10 word prayer. You're not saved because you can say, oh God, forgive me of my sins. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, that's good. But there's a second part. If you believe in your heart, you see, you're not married because you simply tell some girl or some boy that you love him. And, and, you, and you, you might even move in together, but that don't mean you're married. That just means you're cohabitating or whatever that means. Because if you're married, there's a second part to that, you see. You don't just get married because you can say, I love you. You don't just follow Jesus because you can say, forgive me of my sins. There's another part to that that says confessing in your heart. There's another part of relationship that says, put on a ring, sign a piece of paper, and put half your stuff at risk. That's when you know you're married. If you're not, if you don't have half your stuff at risk, you got nothing in. There's no skin in your game. And there's been many a man that hadn't walked out because he didn't want to lose half his stuff. And there's been many a woman that didn't walk out because she didn't want to lose half her stuff either. And you know what they find out? They can find out that they can still love each other. You don't get to cut and run every time it gets rough. <laughs> if you're married, you don't get to cut and run every time it gets rough. You can't build a relationship if you don't stay through the hard times. You can't build a relationship if you don't stay through the times, ladies, when you just assume put a pillow over his face and let him fulfill the second half of that vow till death do us part. <laughs> you can't know what marriage is till you stay and don't kill him. I will tell you that in 44 years of marriage, I have never been afraid of divorce. I have been afraid of death a couple of times, <laughs> but never divorce. 
never divorce. Because Kathy tells me we don't use that word around here. She says we don't use the D, the D word. And I'm hoping she's not talking about death. Or I hope she is talking about death. But anyway, my point is this. When you become married to Christ, when you become married to Christ, then you do more than confess with your mouth, but you believe in your heart, and then you're saved. And when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and he resides in you. You say, how can you say that, and how can you know that? Because whenever you get saved and you use some word that you used to use before, all of a sudden something inside of you says, uh-uh-uh, we don't talk like that no more. You start to get too much change back and you start to say, praise the Lord, I got too much change. Something inside of you goes, no, uh uh you give that back. It doesn't belong to you. You go out in your garage and you find that tool that you borrowed from the job site 10 years ago. And now you come in there and look at it and something says you need to take that back. But Lord, I use it all the time. Then go buy one, take that one back. You stole it. There's something different inside of you and it's the Holy Spirit that has come into your heart. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ forgives us of all our sins and then the merciful God we have sends the power of the Holy Spirit to seal that covering, to seal it. When the high priest became the high priest, they cook and they sacrificed the lamb, then they took blood and they put it on his right ear, his right thumb and his right toe to sanctify him and then they came back with oil and they sealed that blood sacrifice. God, when you get saved, God seals it with the power of the Holy Ghost so that you're no longer your own. Oh, you've been bought with a price. You've been redeemed and you know that you've been redeemed and you can shout and enjoy the presence of the Lord by being saved because God has put the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. But he doesn't leave you there. I told you, God wants you to have everything that you're going to have over there. He wants you to have it over here. So he sent the Holy Spirit back to a redeemed mankind. When Jesus offered his blood in the holiest of holies, after he resurrected the third day and became the first fruit among many brethren, he ascended up into heaven. He went into that heavenly tabernacle. He presented his blood and God redeemed mankind. Hallelujah. It means I'm no longer under the power of the devil. I'm redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. I'm redeemed by the power of the Lamb. I'm redeemed how I love this. His child and forever. I am, hallelujah, because God redeemed me. He bought me. I belong to Him now. Glory to God. I'm His servant. I'm His child. And because I'm redeemed now, I can receive the Holy Spirit in the power of the Holy Spirit that's demonstrated by the speaking in other tongues. It's a second work that the Lord places within me. That keep, he's, he told the disciples, don't you, begin to, you're, don't you begin to preach until you've been endued with power from on high. It's the power from on high that gets me up in the morning that makes me high. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that I get up in the morning with that makes me high. It's the power of the Holy Spirit moving in my soul right now that makes me shout, that makes me loud, that makes me jump, that makes me cry. Last Sunday night, last Sunday night after church was over with, I was standing by the door and I was, I was tired and I sat down back there on the seat where Thomas is sitting. And Reed walks up to me. She said, what you doing? 
I said, I'm sitting down. She said, why are you sitting down? I said, because I'm tired. She said, all that hollering wear you out? I said, yes, ma'am, it did. <laughs> I've, tried, I've tried preaching quiet. I've tried. I'm telling you I have. But I tell you what, there's something inside of me when I, you know, when I get under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there's something inside of me that gets in my feet. It gets in my hands. It gets all over me. It bubbles in my soul. It, it fires, you know, I, it, it, just, it just flows through me. And when it flows through me, I've tried to keep it quiet. But I'm telling you, it's easier if I just let it go. It's easier if I just do what the Holy Spirit gives me to do. I may look like a fool up here, but I'll be a fool for my father. Why? Because he gives me the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will set my feet to dancing. It sets my shouter to shouting. It sets my tongue to speaking God's word. It's the Holy Ghost and fire that keeps me alive. Hallelujah. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, I let the Holy Spirit put a damper on him. I let him raise up a standard. I let him build faith. I let him build hope. I let him build love. It's not me that does the work. It's the Holy Spirit in me. And I can be just as, ex I'm telling you, when I get up there, when I get up there into heaven, I'm not going to be different than what I am here. I'll just have a new body. It just means I won't have to sit down and rest. I'm just going to have a new body, but my shouter's still going to shout. My praiser's still going to praise. My dancer's still going to dance. Everything that God has placed in me here, I'm going to be the same way there. And praise God, I can experience it now. I don't have to wait till I get to the other side. My <laughs> God, my God, it's fun to serve God. Cole's leaving to go to the military. Says he's, he's going to jump out of planes. I said, why would any man in his right mind want to jump out of a perfectly good plane? And you know what he told me? It's the adrenaline rush. It's all about the adrenaline. It's all about that adrenaline. And I didn't say anything then because I didn't think about it. But later on I thought about, you know what I love about preaching? It's the adrenaline rush. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's that flowing Spirit of God. It's, it's, when Mike, it's when Mike's singing a song and all of a sudden that Spirit of God starts when the Spirit comes moving over the water. Spirit come move over us. I look around, I see people twiddling their thumbs and looking at the ground, checking their Facebook, and I say, what is matters wrong, wrong with you? My Lord, we're in the power and presence of God. The anointing of the Holy Spirit's flowing. We've got a praise team up there praising the Lord. We've got worship going on all around us. People are getting prayed for, slain in the Spirit, everything else. And you're looking at the floor. What is the matter with you? My God, you got a chance to come in, into contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You got an opportunity to stand in the presence of the creator of the entire universe, the one who gives life and can take life away, and you're standing there twiddling your thumbs. What, what is wrong? I'll tell you what's wrong. I'll tell you what's wrong. What's wrong is that God is never enough for you. He's never enough. You know, we live, in a, we live in a nation that is so phenomenally blessed. I, I, I know they tell me, oh, there's people out there that are starving across America, but I can't hardly believe it. 
we were in we were in Houston yesterday, and a man paddled by me on a bicycle. He was obviously homeless. He took a bath in the in the fountain there, right beside where we were at. Took a bath in the. I mean, he didn't get didn't take his clothes off, but I mean, he he was washing off there in the fountain, and he was obviously homeless. And some guy came walking up there and gave him a pizza. He didn't ask for it. The guy didn't bother anybody. He didn't ask me for money. He didn't ask anybody. But somebody walked up there and just gave him a pizza. And I walked by him. I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. Some guy just brought me a pizza. And I said, well, to be fed and clothed is good enough. He said, good enough for me. You live in a nation where they tell me people are starving to death, but I can't understand how that is. We seem to have enough money to buy drugs and alcohol and everything else we want. You live in a country that has air conditioning and every building you go in, there's, there's no building you go in that you, you don't have to sweat. You, we live in a nation where, oh, it may be more than we want to pay for it, but you can get gasoline, fuel, every, every, just about everybody's got some kind of heated house or something. Nobody, did anybody walk here this morning? How many people's here? A hundred and so? Anybody walk here this morning? You say, well, I didn't have a car, so I had to walk three miles to get here. No, none of us walked. We all have vehicles. Anybody pay less than $10,000 for their car? Few? 20000 You pay 30000 for your car? Anybody pay less, less than 40000 There's a couple. Anybody pay less than 50000 A few more hands? They're not giving these things away. And somehow we seem to afford them. I don't think anybody walks to a protest rally. They all come in cars. And we complain about the nation we live in. We say, well, they should give us more. They should give us more food. They should give us more things. They should give us more of this and more of that. Always complaining. Never happy that you live in the most prosperous economy in the world. Never happy that you suffer. You, you live in one of the most freest nations in the world. Never happy. John F. Kennedy in 1960 said, ask not what you can do, what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And nobody asks that question anymore. They're not happy being Americans. They want to be African Americans and Irish Americans and German Americans and Asian Americans. And I'm telling you, I've looked at passports a lot lately and I hadn't seen a black stripe or a white stripe or a yellow stripe or a red stripe or any other color stripe on them. They're all blue. You're all Americans. But we can't be happy in the most prosperous, developed country in the world because we need to have more stuff. And we can't seem to be happy with God, just God alone. We got to seem to have God in some form of entertainment. We got to have, we got to have God and, and, and money. We got to have God in this and God in that. And if God doesn't answer my prayer, then that's it. I'm not serving him anymore. God doesn't love me. Well, I tell you what, God gave you all he need, all you needed when God gave you himself. <laughs> Woo. If you got Jesus, then you can be happy wherever you're at. If you're in the middle of the tot and tot jungle in the, in the darkest area of South America, or if you're on the top of a mountain in Siberia, wherever you are, if we got a nice building to meet in, or if we're underneath that old oak tree out there, wherever we are, if we got Jesus, that ought to be enough because we got him, we 
we've got everything. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But somehow we often feel like the Jesus isn't enough and God's not enough. We got to have God and something else. We can't just come to church. Am I preaching good or what? <laughs> we can't just come to church and just be happy <laughs> with the power of God. The glory of the Holy Spirit's not enough to draw us in America anymore. We got to have God and something. We got to have God and some kind of particular music. Oh, I can't go to that church. They don't sing the music I like. Oh, my word. If they glorify Jesus, it should be good enough. I don't care if they sing four, four, six, four, six, eight, seven, eight, whatever they sing. They sing new music, old music. Father Abraham had many sons. It, in my heart, there rings a melody or any other thing. If you glory, if you got God in your heart and Jesus in your life, you ought to be happy wherever you're at. If you're able to worship the Lord in English, in Spanish, in French, in, in, in Greek, whatever it is, that should be enough because Jesus Christ should be enough for us. Jesus Christ should be our all in all. And he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's the first step. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The Bible talks about a man who built barns, who had barns, and he filled all these barns up with grain. God blessed him and blessed him and blessed him and blessed him and blessed him. And whatever he said, oh, wow, what am I going to do with all these? blessings of the Lord. I know what I will do. I will go out and I will build bigger barns for all of my stuff so that I will have enough stuff and then I will say rest and be happy because now my, my needs are all met because I have built more barns for me. And you know what Jesus called him? A fool. Because he heaps stuff up to himself. Oh, I just need another $100,000 and I'll be happy. If I could just buy this car, I'll be happy. If I could just get in the right church where the pastor is quiet, I'd be happy. This screaming pastor gets on my last nerve. If I could just go here, if I could just do that, if I could just be on vacation 51 weeks out of the year, I'd give God that last week, hallelujah. Never happy, never enough. And I want to tell you, God is enough. I said, God is enough. It's not God in anything. It's God is enough. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll let you know. He'll supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I found his supply my wants too. I told you Wednesday night I love shoes. And I do. I like shoes. I've got a few pair of them. And I like them. And whenever, and, and, and when, I, when I didn't, when I wasn't, when Kathy and I weren't making a lot of money, God still managed to figure out ways to let me buy a pair of shoes every now and then that I liked. Now, I'm not in touch with my feminine side. I just like shoes. I, none of that. I just, like, I just like shoes. And so God always figured out a way or gave me permission and I would buy a pair of shoes, and even though it didn't look like I had the money, Kathy and, and, and God would let me buy them. <laughs> and somehow they were always paid for. Somehow. And I'm telling you, I, didn't, I never did understand God's math during those days. 
But you know, the church has prospered, and since I'm on a percentage, I've prospered. And now I, I'm, I'm a little bit freer with that. And, and I, just, I, just, I just bought a pair recently about maybe four or five months ago that I really love and I really liked. And, and you know, Father's Day coming up, and man, I was, I was on, I was, I, I'm, I'm on their email list for some reason. They send me emails all the time. They like me, I guess. But they was on that email list, and they were sending me emails, and Oh, man, I was looking at some of those shoes, and I said, oh, wow, I, I need a pair of loafers. I need a pair with the tassels on them. I, I need this. And, I, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit stopped me. I mean, I got, have you ever been checked in the Spirit? Like, ooh, Holy Spirit stopped me. And I stopped, and I heard the Holy Spirit, just as clear as I'm talking to you, said, you're bordering on vanity. You're bordering on vanity. Now you're beginning to think God is just a supplier of shoes. Right? What's he supplier of in your life? If, if you don't get your new boat, do you get upset? Well, I don't know why God, he blessed my neighbor. If you don't get that new house, are you, are you, can you live for the Lord? If, 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 if your prayer doesn't get answered, if, 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 if things doesn't happen just like you thought, can you, can you still stay with God? How many people have I heard say, well, the Lord didn't do so-and-so, and now I'm just mad. I'm mad at God about it. Well, well, don't get mad at the supplier. Don't get mad at the one that loves you and cares for you. Understand that like a, like a good father, he's going to keep you from doing something stupid. He's going to keep you under, under, the Bible says, the Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he chastises. He says, if you don't get a whipping every now and then, when you get out of line, then you're not a child of God. And I'm telling you this morning that God's not a, a fairy tale father sitting up there on a cloud somewhere, just out there throwing out pixie sticks and, and stars. He's a father who loves me and gave himself for me. He, he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But I've got to seek him first. If I don't seek him first, then I'm going to be like Solomon and get so caught up in riches that I lose sight of God. So where are you at this morning? Is God enough for you? If that business was to fold tomorrow and you were to lose it all, could you still serve the Lord? If you get laid off from your job and you can't find another one and unemployment won't receive you, can you still serve God? If your whole world collapses and the very thing you thought God was going to do for you, it doesn't come to pass, can you still serve God? Is God enough? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. My question to you this morning is, in your life, is God enough? Would you stand with me this morning? Veronica, can I get you to come up here and play for just a moment? We're not having church tonight, so I've got you for at least two more hours. <laughs> I'm joking. You know, a second, and, and I know you're standing, and, and Kathy tells me not to keep you standing. But the second half of that question is this. Is God enough the first half? The second half is, 
How much of God do you want? How much of God do you want? Will a little dab do you? I just want enough to get to heaven. No. You want to just uh, you want just enough money to be able to feed yourself? No, we we want I I'll speak for me. I I like buying stuff. I like I like new stuff. Kathy says you want to go garage selling. I said if they don't want it, why do I want it? I'll go, I'll go to somewhere where they're selling new stuff. I'll take the new stuff. I don't want, no offense, but I don't want your junk. <laughs> if you're not interested in it, I, I've, I've done garage sales. We go up and get stuff out of the attic that we hadn't seen in years. I go out there and dust it off, wash it off, and we put it out there and put five bucks on it, and people walk out of there with it like it's some kind of treasure. Well, I can tell you, it's been in my attic for about four years. I'm surprised it hadn't dry rotted. I don't want your old junk. I want new stuff. And I don't, want, I don't want to just have enough of God to where I'm recycling things from the earth. I don't want that old stuff. <laughs> if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I don't want to go to God's garage sale. I want to go to God's place where he's selling new stuff. I want the new stuff of God. I want the new anointing. I want the fresh stuff. I want the new power. I want the, the, the glory of the Lord. That It says his mercies are new every day. And tomorrow morning when I get up, I want to open my eyes and feel a fresh power, a fresh anointing, a fresh surge of the glory of God. This morning, I want to end this way. If your relationship with the Lord is not where you'd like for it to be, Maybe you figured out this morning that, that God's just, you, you've made God to where he's just not enough for you. And you've spent more time saying, what can God do for me rather than what can I do for God? Ask not what you can do for your country. Ask not what, you, what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Ask not what God can do for me, but ask what I can do for God. Maybe this morning you realize that you've, you've quit asking, you've quit trying to be a servant of God and you started just to be a consumer of God. Do you know what I'm saying? You're just consuming everything God's given. You're just consuming it, consuming it, consuming it, and you're never giving back out. And I'm telling you, there's a sea over there in Israel that always consumes and it never gives out. And you know what they call it? Dead. Dead. And nothing lives in it. It's got so much salt in it, you can't even drown in it. You can't even drown in it. You float. So this morning, if you discovered yourself to be a consumer that always wants to know what God can do for you and never interested in what you can do for God, then come over here. If you're over here, I want you to come over here. If you say, God, I want that fresh stuff. Yesterday's manna is gone. I don't want no more manna. When the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, the manna stopped. They had 40 years of manna. They had manna stew. They had manna bisque. They had manna creole. They had manna casserole. They had manna everything to the point that they said, I had enough manna. And they crossed over and the Lord said, okay, no more manna. And they ate the good stuff of the new land that day. Maybe today you say, you know what? I've had enough manna. I'm ready for something new. 
I'm ready for something exciting. I'm ready for something powerful. I'm ready for God to move in my life and bubble in my soul. If that, if you fit either one of those categories in while Veronica plays and sings this morning, would you just make your way there?